This episode of Savvy is brought to you by Group IRA. Group IRA has one overarching objective in mind. Enable individuals to invest better for whatever comes next in life. Group IRA democratizes investing by offering everyone access to high-quality investment advice regardless of their wealth or account balance. Here on Savvy, we work to explore the systemic gaps or missing links that could help educators, innovators, and families discover stronger ways to enhance money skills for true financial independence. Our sponsors join us on the front lines by helping to further this project. Thank you, Group IRA, for making this episode possible. Today's guest is Petros Kamantros. He is a business mogul and a financial consultant. And he, across his businesses, he has served 2,000 retirement plans, representing 9.2 billion in retirement plan assets. So he knows a thing or two about money. I'm excited to get his perspective. Petros, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Faith. Appreciate it. Yes. So now give our audience a little flavor of what it is that you exactly do, because you serve in many modalities in the financial services world. Well, I've been involved in the, uh, the financial services sector for almost 20 years now. And um, my brother and I, who are uh, business partners together, we uh, are principals of a number of organizations that focus on uh, retirement planning, specifically workplace retirement plans, individual retirement accounts, and also engaging with retirement plan sponsors as a fiduciary investment advisor uh, to those workplace retirement plans. Which is a complete mouthful for the rest of the world that may not be financial experts now, but that's given you some kind of fervor for financial literacy. And I know that you were involved in a school and created a course, but where did that come from? Oh, I appreciate you asking. Um, I've had a passion for, uh, uh, for the work that we do, engaging through, uh, through workplaces uh, for, for many years. Uh, I was invited in uh, March of 2022 uh, to testify in front of the United States Senate Health, Education, and Labor and Pensions Committee on, uh, uh, in support of legislation that ultimately was enacted into law uh, known as Secure 2.0. And it expanded retirement plan coverage in the United States and offered uh, really a number of beneficial provisions to employers. In preparation for that testimony, I was lamenting at the state of student loan debt in the United States. One of the key provisions of SECURE is some enhancements to student loan programs and how those student loan programs can now be, uh, uh, be incentivized through workplaces, um, uh, retirement plans specifically. Uh, but the state of student loan debt of the United States was astounding to me. Nearly $1.8 trillion today in student loan debt. 55% uh, of students that attend four-year institutions uh, have student loans. Uh, with the average student loan being about $37,000. And the concern that I had when I, when I saw this is that young people are really being set very far behind when they become adult professionals entering the workforce. Uh, and it occurred to me, we need to be doing more to educate America's youth on financial matters. Yeah, so, but you decided to take this into your own hands versus go to public school systems and say, put this in your curriculum. <laughs> That's exactly right. There was, uh, I was fortunate, there was a, a school in Seattle that I engaged with that 
was intrigued by, uh, uh, by this concept uh, of providing financial education to, uh, to middle school students, seventh and eighth grade students. Uh, and I was able to engage with them to actually deliver a full course during winter term of 2022 going into 2023. Uh, so for three days a week, I, uh, uh, I taught a financial education program that focused on the basics, budgeting, planning, saving, uh, certain concepts of investing, uh, what it means to borrow money and uh, what it requires to pay back that money. Uh, and it was really just a tremendously rewarding experience. And there's no doubt uh, in my assessment, the students benefited and uh, as did I as well. Now, why did you choose middle school? That's interesting. I, th I hear more often people are going to high schoolers because now you're talking about budgeting and investing, but to middle schoolers who are quite a ways away from getting their first job, why did you pick middle school? Well, I firmly believe that we should be offering educational content, uh, specifically financial educational content at the high school level. What's tragic is right now across the United States, only 18 states guarantee at least one semester of financial education in high school before graduation. Um, the irony behind it is every person uses money throughout their entire adult lives, regardless of profession, regardless of job, regardless of career path. So why is it that only 18 states so far have committed to teaching kids about it? So there's no doubt in my mind the high school level is where uh, where we should absolutely have this as a requirement. But I think it could start even younger. Uh, I think the right type of financial education can be started at the middle school level uh, through the right types of, uh, um, uh, of middle schools. Uh, and I think even younger than that, parents can be having conversations with their children about money. Okay, I wanna to touch on the parents having conversations about money, but tell me, I have so many questions about the middle school experience. Did it work? You said it was uh, beneficial. And when I say, did it work? Did it stick? Were they engaged? Did they actually want to take this course? Were they forced to? I mean, what was that? Tell me a little bit more about the experience for the kids. All great questions. So the program was, uh, was an elective course. So it wasn't something that was required of all middle school students. And this is how I think you could begin to introduce these concepts at a middle school level. If there's an elective program that could be offered or even workshops that could begin to be offered at that level to talk about some of these types of concepts. One of the things that I did at the culmination of the course is we had an anonymous survey that was administered to all of the students that participated. 100% of the students said that this specific program that we referred to as FINLIT, short for financial literacy, uh, improved their understanding of money and financial concepts. 100% further agreed that it was beneficial to their academic, uh, uh, academic endeavors. So the feedback was overwhelmingly positive. But admittedly, these are young people, young people who learn things very differently than adults. Mm -hmm. So the education has to be approachable to them. And that's one of the issues that I have in the broader financial services space. We really do a terrible job making our information approachable to the people that we serve. There's excessive use of jargon in financial services, and that makes it complicated and difficult to understand for our clients, let alone young people when you try to educate and offer a program around these types of concepts. True. So making it approachable to students is paramount. And I appreciate that you said approachable because uh, I think it's very disparaging when we say to dumb down the financial jargon. It's, it's so inappropriate. But uh, that was one of my questions was, how did you handle teaching them financial terminology during the, I mean, to middle schoolers? Well, even basic 
jargon that as a financial professional is second nature to me uh, isn't necessarily going to be approachable mm -hmm. and understandable by a young person. Terms like income and expenses, basic though I might perceive those terms, a young person may not. So instead, I would use terms like making money or spending money. Instead of assets and liabilities, we would characterize it instead as the stuff you own mm. or the stuff you owe. And when you begin to use terminology that's more approachable to young people, they're able to understand it. I think some of the criticisms of financial education is simply because um, as, as financial education not being successful for young people is simply because we fail to use terminology that's approachable to them. Uh, and even more significant, I think that's probably the case with adults as well, mm -hmm. uh, when financial professionals are engaging with them. The use of jargon really does make uh, these concepts much more difficult for people to understand. I, I couldn't agree with you more, and it makes me now wonder about the children in your class. Uh, I'm sure that there were some that have uh, parents who are entrepreneurs, who they are probably getting some exposure to money conversations or at least business, some business concepts, mm -hmm. and maybe some who whose parents don't talk about money. It's a, maybe a hush topic at home. Could you tell? Could you tell uh, from your group of students which ones had more uh, exposure to financial uh, information or had a different kind of financial acumen than their peers? It's a wonderful question, and the the short answer is yes. It's evident that there is a financial knowledge divide among young people. And it's obvious to me as an educator which students were more exposed to money concepts and financial matters, presumably at home, because obviously our educational systems are not offering these types of programs to young people. So where those conversations were had at home, there's no doubt that those students we're better versed on financial concepts and financial matters. But that's also why it's even more paramount for the right financial education programs to be approachable to all students, mm -hmm. recognizing that there's a great many people who have never had any exposure at all to money or financial concepts in their homes. Uh, so again, the type of education that, that should be offered is, is such that, at least through schools, is such that it should be broadly available and broadly understandable and broadly approachable to all ranges of students and financial backgrounds. Now, why do you feel that it's important, or, or tell me your perspective, why do you think it's important for them to build on it early? Why not just make it approachable at high school or in the college level and, uh, and then they can go from there because they're closer to getting their you know, career started? Why start sooner? Well, like anything else, any form of education, it builds layers upon layers, and that helps to facilitate better understanding. So to really understand principles of, say, debt management, that may not be something that you begin at a middle school level. That might be something that you begin perhaps at a junior or senior level in high school, particularly when young people are going to be making decisions about college education and how best to finance college education. It's not to say that college is, is bad. College is wonderful for the vast majority of young people, in my, my opinion, of course. But paying for a college education means having an understanding of, of what the value of that education is going to be relative to the costs. And that's where I think we've really failed, is we haven't done a, a good job in society of helping children to understand the value proposition. But building to that level, building to that level means starting with basic concepts at a younger age. 
so that we could layer education upon education in the years ahead. Young people understanding the basics of what money is, what it means to transact and engage in commercial transactions with, with others, why we use money in our society for, uh, for purchasing goods, services, and information in the place that it has. Uh, and then from that, having an understanding of how people can make money, what you spend money on, needs and wants, which of course feeds into basics of, of budgeting. So through this process, understanding can be built over time, layering education upon a multi-year process, which I believe can start as young as middle school, at least in the context of perhaps an elective program or even an after-school activity. And so much more digestible because yes. then they're getting trickle-fed this information and building on it as opposed to being fire-hosed the information at the collegiate level. That's right. Yeah, I love that. So what, what about the families who, okay, it's great if there are families who have entrepreneurs at home or who are owning you know, multiple businesses or something and talking about that. What about the families that are intimidated by the money conversations because maybe they're still navigating their own financial understanding or their own financial planning? What can they be doing? And it's a, it's a wonderful question because obviously every family is unique. The family dynamics uh, from one household are not going to be the same as another. Uh, and there's also cultural differences as well. Mm -hmm. I was very privileged, and I recognize that, to have been able to have engaged in these types of conversations with my own parents at a young age. I know a great many of the financial professionals that I work with day to day had similar experiences in their childhood. And not every family is going to be uh, as forthright and forthcoming about financial concepts in the home for a whole range of reasons. What I would suggest to parents is this. If you're concerned about this, and you're not necessarily uh, comfortable having these conversations at home, say over a kitchen table. Perhaps seek someone out, uh, someone that you know, that you trust, uh, perhaps at your local bank uh, or, uh, or another financial services firm that's nearby that could maybe engage and help to mentor young people when they are going to be approaching significant financial uh, decisions of their own, like how to pay for college uh, and how to finance that education. The other thing that parents can do is also go through uh, online sources. There's tremendous financial content that is available right now through a whole range of online channels. Now, admittedly, some of that content is, is much better uh, than others. The parents could also turn to some of that online financial education to frankly supplement what's right now not being taught in our educational system. So I think through those avenues, parents can do quite a bit to help provide uh, financial education to their children even if they're less comfortable having conversations, say, over a kitchen table. And I, I hear you, and I think that it is all true. We have access to this, we can reach out, we can build our community, but it still can be very intimidating. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that you're a father of young children, yeah. and so you are giving them such a leg up because you know how to have these conversations at home. You know what it's like to be a parent. You're juggling a thousand things. Give me, give our audience some motivation of why we should spend any part of our bandwidth learning something that we don't understand and taking away from juggling soccer schedules, dinner schedules, full-time job, laundry, whatever it is. Why should we put an emphasis and take some of that energy and put it into building our financial acumen? And that's a wonderful question. As a parent myself, I recognize we get stretched and pulled in every conceivable direction. You know, but like I mentioned, Faith, everyone uses money. Every single person uses money day in and day out through their entire lives. 
it doesn't matter what job you go into. It doesn't matter your profession. It doesn't matter what your future career path has in store. Everyone uses money. So shouldn't we learn about the things that we use day to day? It's not to say that financial education is necessarily better or more valuable than other education that we already provide through schools. But certainly it must be at least on par because regardless of what a young person chooses to do with their future, they will use money. That much is guaranteed. So what can we do as a society to help educate young people about money so that they can make better decisions when they become adults themselves? So that's why I think it is something that's critically important that parents need to start focusing more on, that we as a society need to focus more on and to make sure that we're making investments so that our children don't necessarily repeat the same types of financial mistakes that were made by the generations that came before them. Access to credit is a wonderful thing and it serves as an important tool to help finance all of the different pursuits that we want in life. Everything from a home mortgage to a vehicle to yes, education, but knowing how to service that credit is paramount. And we do such a lackluster job teaching children. So I recognize parents are stretched thin, but I would encourage us to think that this matters tremendously. And it's going to allow our children to be in a better financial footing in the future. As again, a parent myself, I sincerely hope that my children have a better quality of life than I had. And I know full well that my parents want me to have a better quality of life than they had. And their parents wanted the same for them. Helping to assure that means that we need to have sufficient knowledge of money and financial concepts. Well, I am motivated right now just listening to that piece of your conversation. Uh, what can we as pro finance professionals do? Uh, right now we serve in our different fields but should we be doing more? What can we be doing that might be outside of what we're paid to do? Until all states across the country make financial education a cornerstone of our educational system, I think it's going to fall on the financial services sector to step in to help fill this, this knowledge divide. Truly, I do. I would encourage financial professionals to get involved in their communities. I recognize not everyone is going to have the bandwidth to teach a full course but perhaps offer a workshop or volunteer through your local school board to uh, administer an extracurricular, perhaps uh, visit with college, college excuse me, high school seniors to talk to them about college and how to make an informed decision about paying for college education. All of those things we can do. We can spare a few hours here and there to provide that type of mentoring and guidance to young people. And for those who do have the bandwidth, I would absolutely encourage them to think about providing a full-fledged course through their local middle school or high school. I, I think that um, I would love to see more people also in the schools and doing coursework. Uh, you seem to have a knack for laying out a program for kids and making it resonate with them and keeping their engagement. When we talked before about the program, I could see how much these kids were excited to learn what you had to say. But I know that finance nerds in our space are not all quite so savvy with the way that they talk and we don't always know how to speak human. So what about those that are not quite set for that? Do you have any ideas for people who are not necessarily educators themselves? 
for someone who wants to get involved but may not necessarily have the knack for teaching or instructing, there's things that can be done. Write letters for advocacy work to your, uh, to your elected officials at a state level to try to get funding for financial education. Get involved in your local school boards. Make sure that you're part of the, uh, the local PTA, the Parent Teachers Association, and be an advocate for financial education. Even if you're uncomfortable serving in the role as an educator, which I understand, not everyone necessarily wishes to do that. Many are even reticent to, uh, to present in a workshop type of a setting. But there's plenty, plenty that financial professionals can do where it doesn't necessarily involve presentation skills in front of an audience. Again, writing your elected, uh, elected leaders to try to get funding for financial education is something that we can all do, mm -hmm. even if we'd rather not stand in front of an audience and teach a bunch of young people. Well, your fervor is infectious. <laughs> and I thank you so much for your insight and your perspective today. Thank you so much, Faith. Appreciate you having me.